What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee, and I've got a fantastic episode for you guys tonight. Very, very, very excited about this one. So uh, let's see, before we get too far into it, I just want to tell you guys how you can follow and support the show. Please head over to Rebunked.news. That's the main website. Uh, you're going to find all of the uh, ways to follow and support the show. Uh, you got Richard Groves Autonomy right there at the top. The t-shirt shop is on fire, you guys. Can't uh, tell you how awesome that is. We're not going to get too far into it like we normally do. We're going to get right into the action. And then all social media, just follow me at rebunked news um and that's pretty much what we're gonna do tonight in terms of the calls to action because i'm very excited about our guest tonight guys uh so from the sunny climes of japan none other than james corbett welcome thank you very much scott but it's the sunny climes of western japan western japan okay sorry 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 people always ask me about that is there a western japan eastern like it's such a tiny little island but yeah they do geographically divide it here i I mean i can imagine i can imagine i've never obviously (laughs) been to japan but uh you know it's always interesting hearing your take on things from just a complete uh you know we're very american centric here you know like Mm -hmm. like I, i just have like a very but it's nice to hear your kind of perspective from like a, a global perspective, which is kind of funny because that, that kind of leaves my first question here. So just to kind of kick things off in a fun laid back way. Uh, every time, well, ever since I started doing shows, you know, uh, every time I have the word globe or global or have the image of like a round earth in one of my logos, I get all kinds of crazy attacks. So I'm curious, mm. do you get a lot of venom for having a round curved earth on your logo there? Yeah. And, and in fact, you'll notice the uh, globe behind me. Oh. Um, uh-huh. But it's kind of half partially obscured by the, the okay. monitor there. And yeah, someone yeah. Uh, wrote me recently wondering if that was a coded message that I'm sending mm-hmm. that I'm on the fence about flat earth or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people are interesting and there are all sorts of people out there. And I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how their thought process works. But anyway, yeah, I uh, the globe has been the the logo for the corporate reports since its very very beginning my very 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 my first actual logo image for the corporate report idea was something to do with the globe with the broadcast tower kind of you know broadcasting out to the, the planet and uh that i goes back to one of the earliest things i ever remember as like a three or four year old drawing was the the globe with the with satellites or something like i i was i was obsessed with drawing that for some reason so that it became Hey, that's what the Corbett Report is. I'm broadcasting out to the world. But that was back in the heady days of 2007 when most people were not flat earthers. (laughs) Now suddenly I have people who think that I'm on that side of the coin, which I'm not. Yeah. Hey, no, it's an interesting one. And, you know, I'm sure we could get way too far into it. One of the things I've noticed recently, too, it's like I get that same venom from uh, whenever we're talking about uh, viruses or disease or something like that. Like I get a lot of, uh, you know, because I'm on the, you know, honestly, yeah, there there's a lot of credit- orthodoxies that go around yeah. in alt media spaces and yeah. you must, you must say this. You mustn't say that you're a show. I've been listening yeah. to you for 15 years, James, but I can't yeah. believe you said that thing. And now yeah. you're a show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Well, you're I know. welcome for the 15 years of information and news that I provided to you and go do with it what you will. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I like to keep open-minded and just realize I don't know everything. And the more I find out, the more questions I have. And, uh, you know, and I think sometimes it's a combination of multiple things and there's no right or wrong. And there's like a lot of, uh, overlap between a lot of these things. So anyway, yeah. anyway, which is why 
yeah, the more I get into this, the less I'm going to simply just denounce someone. Yo, yeah. you're horrible and a shill because you said that one thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe you should try to understand their perspective and where they're coming from. And maybe you will disagree with them, maybe strongly disagree with them. But yeah. it doesn't mean that the other person is somehow the evil incarnate and all yeah. of this. Eh, Exa exactly. And then, like, also, that just uh, goes back to just the whole idea of, like, where debate originated, where it's like, you know, we're not necessarily one person's trying to be to prove the other one wrong. Actually, we're trying to get closer to the truth. We're both in a mutual pursuit of the truth. And so by you presenting your information and me presenting my information, we're actually moving closer to the truth as opposed to I win, you lose sort of mentality, you know? So, yeah. yeah so, um, well, first of all, you know, obviously, uh, I've been following your work for a very long time, and I just can't thank you enough for everything that you've uh, done for the world. Uh, you know, um, one of the things that really stood out to me. So I started podcasting post COVID, like literally like May of 2020, we bought our equipment and just started going and it's been quite the journey. Um, <clears throat> I'm grateful now that I'm in Tennessee working with Ryan from last American vagabond. And it's funny cause he credits you We're like, when I, when I first met him and I first started hanging out with him, I was just like, Ryan, man, I just can't tell you how much I look up to you and all this stuff. And he's like, well, that's the way I feel about Corbett. And that's never went away. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like, and now I kind of uh, get to look up to him and, and he's shown me a lot too. So it's really cool how that works. But uh, ultimately, uh, so very early on in COVID, it was your video when you were discussing um, medical martial law, the idea of medical martial law. Like you're really the one that really kind of brought that to the forefront. I think it was the first time I heard it. And particularly it was your um, just the way you describe, like, look, guys, they're going to cross all of your lines. They're going to take, they're going to push past every single line that you have. So you need to get a piece of paper and a pen and sit down and write down what your lines are that you're not willing to have them cross. And I just thought that was so powerful. We talked about that a lot on our show at the time. And sure enough, as it played out, like it was, it was all the lines got crossed. So uh, I guess, you know, just looking back on it, are you, I mean, obviously you, you, you saw the writing on the wall uh, from the get go. But uh, are you kind of surprised how far they actually took it? Yes and no. I guess it depends on what way I'm looking at it and what day of the week. But um, I, I mean, it's not surprising that they would try to push it this far. I think it is surprising that it got as far as it did. And obviously it's not over yet. But um, this this wave of the particular push is, I think they're, they're backing off now because the yeah. pushback and the, the questions have finally started. But... Actually, I mean, one way of looking at the entire past few years is as a grand psychological experiment that is being perpetrated on the public. How much will the public accept? In what way? How how best do we force this on people? I mean, that this isn't even conspiracy theorizing. They they openly talk about how the fact the fact that they are actively studying it is an active field of research. The World Health Organization and many other organizations around the world are researching how best to overcome vaccine hesitancy, as they call it, and all of this. They are studying our reaction to this. So that that the technocratic elite that I know, unfortunately, do exist. And I, well, I shouldn't say elite, elitists, because they believe in their own mind that they are elite. Um, they That class exists, and they are trying to steer the world in certain identifiable directions that I've been talking about and warning about for actually 16 years now. It's 2023, isn't it? So I'm, I'm well aware of that. It doesn't surprise me that they tried to push this biosecurity um, paradigm. As I say, the, my first medical martial law episode was from 2009, so... Mm -hmm. I, I've known about this plan and the, the way that they could forward it. The only thing that surprises me is that the public just rolled over and took it. 
for so long before people started to question it. That's that's really disturbing. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. And just even here in the United States where it's like the the stronghold of, of freedom, right? It's just been – so I recently moved to Tennessee from Oregon. So I was on the front lines of, uh, mm. you know, some real – it was yeah. pretty bad. You know, it was just California, Oregon, Washington, New York. Like those are kind of the big ones that really yeah, – tell me about the difference between Tennessee and Oregon. What have you noticed? Uh, totally. Okay, so I was in Eugene, Oregon, which is about two hours south of Portland. And Portland was definitely one of the worst places in terms of – you know, not only the the COVID restrictions, but just in terms of just the decay and the degeneracy, and they, they you know, they legalized all drugs in Oregon. They de well decriminalized all drugs, which you know, I mean, there's an argument for that, uh, but uh, but the way it was rolled out, it was just a disaster, man. And I was actually a drug and alcohol counselor. I actually worked mm -hmm. in that field uh, for many yeah. years leading up to uh, 2021, where they fired me for not taking the shot. But that's a whole other story, uh, you know. As a state, it's really sad because the main population centers had just fallen into just like, you know, it's homelessness and just all kinds of chaos and the economies weren't doing too well. And it was just like it was rough, man. And uh, I wasn't doing I wasn't thriving. I, let's just say like yeah. on all accounts, like the shows were going great. <clears throat> you know, that was all good. But but just like my own personal life and just some of the connections that I had you know, all, all of my friendships had like most of my friendships had fallen away because I landed on the opposite side. And so I'm just like, man, I got to get out of here. So the opportunity came up yeah. about in Tennessee and I got here and man, I just can't tell you, like the economy is just on fire. So I started my own handy band business when I got here, you know what I'm saying? And like, mm. uh, and it's just been, it's been night and day. And so even the biggest thing I would say too, also is that even those who still wear masks or, you know, you can tell kind of align with one side of the the equation, there wasn't like this fracturing of the community over the course of like two years where, where it was in, in Eugene, right. it was like two years of just everyone pitted against each other. And here it was like, they shut down for two weeks and they went back to normal and it's fine. There wasn't like that right. constant divide, you know? So here, yeah, that's the thing. I, I, it's more than just about whether someone wears a mask or not. It's about their mentality in doing that and whether they are trying to force their ideas on other people and force what they think is for their own security on other people. That's, that's the line in my uh, that I draw. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone wants to wear a mask because they believe it's going to protect them, you know, you can you can inform them of the scientific evidence on that. But at any rate, it's their choice. It's their body, their choice. I respect yeah. that. But yeah, it's when they're coming after me. And I, I think that's the cultural difference in different places as to where people will respect your lines and where they won't. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, kind of the I, the the impression I get from like Japan is it's very like, you know, people are very respectful of each other. Like, did you have that sort of like, what was it like out there uh, for the most part? Like for me, yeah. a lot of it was like getting chased out of stores. I heard a story yeah. last night of a lady had a knife pulled on her because she wasn't wearing a mask. Like, do you get any of that out in Japan or, or what was it like for you out there? Uh, that is not common. No. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Japanese society is very, very much. Um, uh, confrontation uh, averse. Let's yeah. say they they don't like to confront people or get in their face. So that that sort of scene doesn't play out very much. Um, it's more just the societal expectation, and most people will go in line with it. So Japan isn't a boot jackbooted thug police state. It's just a state where most people know. Okay, we're supposed to do this now, so let's mm -hmm. do it. And most people do most of the time, so there isn't that sort of uh, confrontation going on. Um, but having said that, it is to this day still, I'd say 99% of the people, 99% of the time walking around with masks on. So wow. 
Okay. Uh, I don't know if I don't know when or how or if that is going to change. The Japanese government even came out last year to say, you know what, when you're outside and you've got space between yourself and other people, you don't need a mask on. But still, people walk around with their masks on. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, you know, uh, on my show, you know, we do get into some of this stuff, all the crazy World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, all that nonsense. But I really love to also um, focus on solutions. I feel like if we're not offering solutions, then we're kind of uh, just going halfway or, or not, not fulfilling our obligation. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I really appreciate how you've kind of adopted that and created a whole series um, called solutions watch. So, um, you know, I've been following your work for a while and that was, wasn't that post COVID that that started solution, the solutions watch. Yeah. 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 So started tell us 2021. about 2021. Okay. So tell us about how that came to be or what your process was like in realizing that, you know, Hey, we gotta, we gotta talk about solutions at this point. Well, I, I have always talked about solutions and oh, yeah. I, I had a, a series in my podcast, you know, solutions, colon, building communities and things like that. I've, I've done it and talked about it over the years, but it wasn't a specific focus of attention. But so there was something that I, um, I, I, I noticed in 20, I want to say 2018, maybe 2017. At any rate, I came across this ridiculous, and I mean ridiculous piece of propaganda, conditioning, mind control, garbage from, I think it was Kia. <laughs> Am I getting that right? I think it was Kia Maybe. for the, your driverless future. And it was this stupid commercial that they did about like Peter Pan fighting the evil hook and, you know, using his driverless car to do it. And all. It was just, it was total nonsense. So I saw that and I'm like, well, I got to make something out of this. This is just so stupid. I have to at least talk about it. And I thought, you know what? I bet you, I, I'm just, I think there's probably enough of this type of material that I could dissect for the audience and break it down and show the different things that they're doing. I, I'll just start a new series. So I decided to start a series called Propaganda Watch. Mm -hmm. And so every single week I was digging up stupid pieces of propaganda like that. And more to the point, more than just laughing at them, trying to dissect them and pointing out different ways about propaganda and how it works and, and how you can... Uh, stop it from taking over your consciousness and all of that. And it was it was in the process of doing that that I went into that series thinking, I don't know, am I going to really be able to find something every single week to talk about? And lo and behold, once I started doing it, I started to notice, oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Oh, that would make a good propaganda. Oh, that would make a good propaganda. That would make it. And suddenly I realized, oh, it's kind of, it's your intentionality. It's what you are looking for. It is the way you are directing your focus and attention will reveal a different world to you in a, in a sense. And so um, in 2020, obviously watching people swallowing all of this nonsense and, and falling for all the stupid things and people casting about who are waking up real, realizing something's wrong and going, well, what do we do about this? And I thought, well, okay, I, I sort of unintentionally stumbled on that propaganda watch model of, hey, I'm going to start looking for propaganda and it's everywhere. So I thought, okay, I'm going to consciously direct my attention towards I'm looking for solutions and they will be everywhere. And lo and behold, they are. Yes, exactly. Once you start focusing and directing your attention in a certain way, you can start to understand the world and you start to notice different things and you seek out different things. So that was my intention. And sort of the meta level of this, I hope, is me modeling this for the audience. You can do this in your own life too. Instead of thinking about and dwelling on the problems, start thinking about the solutions and things that you can do. And lo and behold, you'll start finding ideas everywhere around every corner.
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so a couple of the big ones that really impacted me were um, Freedom Cells. So Freedom Cells was uh, something that I think was pretty early on uh, that you, I don't know if it was necessarily a Solutions Watch, but I believe it was on your show that you know, I think you had Derek or John or both on. And, uh, you know, man, that was literally our lifeline out in Oregon. Like we got very involved. We started our own Freedom Cell. We were doing meetups like multiple times a month and we ended up putting on a little festival. And, but that was all born out of, that and that the fact that there was already infrastructure there in place for us to kind of meet and then we took that you know offline into real life and into telegram and we built our own thing off of that but that was a huge 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 thing that really got us through really dark times out there honestly and then the other one was uh uh howard howard lickman we got fixed up with him from uh the thick thin red line uh movement and so that that was a good one and so now i'm like buddies with howard i've hang, hung out with him multiple times and so that's cool but uh and then of course i know a lot of listeners uh came across richard grove and autonomy uh i just completed season eight of autonomy and very grateful for that but but i i was kind of involved with richard in other capacities but you know i know that that was a big uh inroad for that but what were some of the what were some of the ones that you feel are most important either out of those or additional ones or some of your favorites or maybe lesser known ones that have kind of slipped under the radar that you'd like to call attention to? I would say that my, the ones that stick out for me are the ones that are seemingly full or trivial, but actually profoundly important. And one very trivial example of that is one that I did on highlighting. Hi, the highlighter is mightier than the sword where I just, uh, because I, I, I use uh, an online highlighter and I've used it in some of the screen shares that I've done. And people will ask me, oh, you know, how do you do that? What are you doing there with the highlighter? And so I, I did an episode to show, okay, here's the, the tool that I'm using and here's how it works. And more to the point, I think by highlighting articles, instead of just reading an article, on, especially online, where you're just scrolling through things and you're, you've got a million distractions when you're actually taking the time to consciously highlight certain sections, suddenly you retain a lot more of that information and you're able to call it back and think about the connections to other things. And you're more concentrated on what you're doing. And that's something I do when I'm reading physical books, I, I'm often mm. highlighting sometimes scribbling notes in the margins. So if I do that, when I'm reading online, suddenly I'm retaining more, I'm thinking about it more. S super, super, super simple idea zero effort, zero time, zero dollars, but it's something that makes a tangible difference in the way that I consume and understand information. So that, that I like those kinds of simple ideas. I also like ideas that are less about fighting the system. We got to fight against the system guys and more about creating our own system. So in 2021, the first year of Solutions Watch, at the end of the year, I always do a year-end wrap-up with James Evan Pilato of MediumMonarchy.com. We do New World Next Week, and every year we do New World Next Year, where we talk about the story of the year. And I believe, if I remember correctly, my story of the year for 2021 was uh, the picnic protests and th those types of things that were happening um, in, re in response to the vaccine mandate, passport, whatever that was being in instituted in various restaurants and bars and things in Europe and in Canada and in el elsewhere where you can't go in unless you can show us you've been vaccinated. And as a re response to that, rather than burning down the stores or picketing or something like that, people were starting just to picnic out on the street and just having, uh, making it a party and having people and, and, Oh, we're the free people and we're going to, we're going to have our own 
party. We don't need your stupid restaurant. We don't need you to go into your business to pay you money for you to check our vaccine compliance or whatever. No, no, no. We're going to have our own. And that that mentality, that spirit is, I think, the spirit um, that we need much more of going forward. Rather than looking to someone else to solve it on some institutional level and make some law that will make something right, we need to start creating and understanding it is us. We really do have the power. We always, we're always trying to cede it to other people because it's so much easier if we don't have to think about it. We have the power. We can create our own table rather than begging for scraps from the master's table. Yep, absolutely. You know, that's, that's, uh, I, I completely agree with you on that. Like we don't, we, and not, and actually, you know, again, I talk about it a lot. It's like us going out, protesting, demonstrating all that stuff, you know, there's a use for it, but then we're fighting on their level. We're, we're beating, we're meeting them and playing their game. You know, we can literally just detach and be like, all right, see ya. I'm over here. And we're just crushing over here. You know what I mean? And that's the, and that's where the hope comes out of because I'm not fearful when I'm building. I'm not fearful when I'm like hanging out with like-minded people, you know, I'm, there's fear if I'm out, you know, toe to toe with some police officers, you know, whatever at some protest or something like that. But if I'm out, uh, you know, in the community or, or, or growing food, you know, there's no fear. And that's, that's how we, uh, build out of this, you know, that's the only way we're going to move forward. So what would you say is, um, what is an area that we could be focusing on the most? Like what, what, like if we were to rank our time in terms of building out things for the future, like what is some of the, what are some of the most important things we could be focusing our time on either as an individual or as, as communities that are forming? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I guess on the sort of general level, I would say the most important thing that we could be focusing on as communities is communities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because if, if anything, if we've learned anything over the past few years, it's that, it's the community that you live in and the people around you that will determine the way things are going to go more than any other sort of individual factor. If you live in a community that is respectful of your bodily autonomy and your boundaries and isn't going to enforce all these mandates and whatever, then, hey, you, in a sense, you're you're immune to the what's going on in the sort of the bigger picture, right? Um, so we need to start building those communities and coming together as communities in order to um, be able to create the space that we can uh, build those types of alternative systems that I was talking about earlier. So community building in any and every aspect. And as you say, freedom cells, that's helped mm -hmm. a lot of people to connect and find other people in their area that they didn't know exist. Awesome. There are many, many ways to do that. Um, I, I know in the UK, I think there's something called like first Thursdays or something like that. Mm -hmm. I believe it was created by James Dellenpool's brother. And it's just the idea of essentially just once a month, just getting together with uh, a group of eight people or whatever it is and sort of hashing out various issues. And I, I know there's a lot of people who've gotten something out of that. There was the stand in the park movement that probably is still going on where, remember when it was, you can't go outside your house unless you have specific permission from the government. Well, a bunch of people were like, no, we're just gonna, we're going to exercise our first amendment or whatever the equivalent in whatever country by going to the park and we'll all just be in the park and we'll all be exercising, which is allowed by your lockdown rules. And we'll, you know, obviously be uh, exchanging information that way. Um, there's so many different ways to find, foster and build community. And I think that's truly, that has to be the focus. Um, now going forward from there, what do you do with your community? That is really dependent on your community and who you are. And this is another point that I always want to stress to people is that, look, I'm 
at this point, I guess I define myself as a podcaster. That's what I am. That's what I do for a living. I, I don't know what that means, but I, I'm a communicator of sorts. It's what I do. It's what I think I'm good at. Um, and it's what I'm compelled to do. So my efforts and what I can fruitfully contribute is in the type of work that I'm doing. But I realize not everybody is going to be a podcaster. That I, I would not want to live in a world where everybody was a podcaster. That, that would not be a would not be a functioning planet. So um, everyone has their skills and the things that they can contribute and things that they can do. And I think everyone can find a way to do that in a way that contributes to the solutions rather than the problems. Even if you are, whatever, if you're a restaurateur, maybe you could be the type of restaurateur who is not going to um, check vaccine mandates and whatever. I know uh, Ryan just talked to uh, someone from my hometown of Calgary um, who was running a pizza shop without papers pizza, right? That um, was doing that exact thing. No, I'm not going to check. There's not, I'm not going to check mandates. I'm not going to check to see if you've been vaccinated. And his uh, business was eventually um, shuttered, I believe, as a result of his stand. But that's the type of thing that you can do. And you can you can contribute in whatever way you are able to with whatever skills you have. There are things that you can do. The other thing that I would say is on the meta level, on the grandest level of what we should be doing, it comes down to something that I've touched on several times in the Solutions Watch series and will continue to do so because I think it is it is the base of sort of everything that we're doing. It's the concept of writing a new narrative, creating our own narrative. Um, rather than uh, waiting for the the World Economic Forum with their uh, The Great Narrative, which was the book by uh, Klaus Schwab and his uh, co-author uh, a couple of years ago that I did talk about on the program. They they understand that in order to truly control, change, transform the world, shape the world into what you want, you have to present a narrative, a story that people will understand and they will, they will believe. A perfect example of that, this is, say, the climate change hysteria. If you believe that by existing and breathing in and out, you are destroying Mother Nature and the only way to appease the weather gods is to limit carbon limit your life and ultimately hopefully die, um, then if people actually believe and start living that narrative, then they can be herded into the 15-minute cities and whatever else. You're already compliant because you're going to follow that narrative. If we can write our own narratives where... Uh, maybe there's a narrative about human freedom and flourishing and life is a good thing and we can create and the world is abundant. If we can create our own narrative about that and place ourselves into that, it, it, we won't be led along by the nose. Because exactly as I was saying earlier, the biggest problem with the whole past couple of years was not necessarily the elitists trying to push this agenda. Of course, they're going to try to push this agenda. It's the people willingly going along with it. And because they bought the narrative. 15 days to flatten the curve, 198 days to 300 days to uh, the rest of your life to flatten the curve, whatever it is, I'll just go along with it. Once they have you in their narrative, they can do whatever they want with you. So I think we really need to be concentrating on that. And there are many, many ways to do that very, very literally and more figuratively. One literal example that I highlighted on Solutions Watch before was make your own newspaper. It is now easier than ever before. And depending, you know, what printer you can source and what have you actually can be quite cost uh, affordable to create a, a local community newspaper that could be the start of building that local community that I was talking about earlier. You can, you can start putting in truthful and factual information. And there are many, many, many examples of this already going on. And I get, I get people all the time emailing me say, saying, uh, oh, I saw this article in this local community newspaper and this guy printed your 
your article and wow, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know there were people like this in my community. It does make a difference. It does help. So there are things like that that we can do to start taking this back into our own court. Again, it is up to us to to really start changing this world and start stop waiting for the, I think that's a narrative that's been very destructive is the wait for, you know, trust the plan. Mm. Trump and Q are going to save the world with their sealed indictments. Just wait, guys, enjoy the enjoy the show. No, stop waiting. Stop enjoying the show. Start living life and contributing to this world. Absolutely. Yes, yes. No one's coming to save us, folks. You know what I mean? Like, it's up to us. And that, again, it's a very empowering thing when you take ownership of, like, say, your health and, uh, you know, take take charge of, like, your finance, like, get, start a business or start a side hustle that it becomes your main business. You know, that's where we take our power back and start to extricate ourselves from these levers that they use to control us right they're big levers like convenience oh you don't get to come to our restaurant oh you don't get to come to our concert you know what i mean but it's like at the end of the day we can dictate you know after i lost my job you know for not taking the shot i'm like well i'm never going to be in that position again and so then i look for more entrepreneurial ways to pursue mm -hmm. it but um i want to shout out real quick and and uh so my uh, friend Corey haig he did what you just exactly described it's liberty uncensored np.com started his own like in hand newspaper publication. And he also uh, just published a book called, um, Oh geez, I'm blanking on the name right now, but, uh, it is, uh, yes. Unveiling a better world. I have a copy of it. It's a great book, but also yes. But, uh, Corey Haig, uh, just a fantastic guy, uh, is he's boots on the ground. Um, you know, put in, put in newspapers out there. So you guys go check him awesome. out, support him. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of like uh, you know old uh, Ernie Hancock style, just like you know yeah. he's still rocking and rolling. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 that's that's awesome, man. Well, well, thank you so much. Those that's such good information. Um, <clears throat> in terms of uh, again extricating ourselves from the system or removing ourselves from these uh, platforms that don't want us there anyway, you're kind of like one of the main pioneers of uh, you know building out resilience in terms of being able to withstand whatever attacks they're they're thrown at us right like you're definitely one of the most censored people in the world which is crazy because the information you provide is so well researched and it's just like it's like <clears throat> unassailable you know like uh what are your thoughts around why you and specifically have been such the brunt of this and like i can understand like i understand from their narrative perspective some of the people that they attack but it's like you know you're it's like and i feel like you're not like you're not like a Trump guy. You're not like in involved in like any of that. You're like, you're just like very matter of fact, like, Hey, here's the info. But, uh, what, what, yeah. what do you, why do you think? Well, that uh, is? Uh, to be fair, I don't think I'm the most censored. I think there are people who are more heavily censored, but certainly YouTube didn't like what I was doing. Let's put it that yeah. way. And, um, specifically in that case, it was, it was obviously because during that time period, um, of the past few years, there were just certain things you just couldn't say, you couldn't talk about in any way, shape, or form, even in a factual sense of here's a news story about something that is happening in the world that really is happening, and here's the information. Nope. So, for example, one of the uh, the videos that got struck that contributed towards the three strikes that brought down my channel was um, just reporting on the Corona Investigative Committee that had been founded and formed and was going on in Europe just talking like literally just covering that on new world next week was one of the things that got struck. So, you know, I, I, all I know is I made the decision personally, I'm not going to self-censor and I'm not going to stop talking about certain subjects because YouTube won't allow me to, I'm just going to continue doing exactly what I do. And if they take me down, then good. That's an example to people of, Hey, look, this, 
This platform is controlled and any information you are getting through this platform is information that YouTube is allowing you to get. So if you want real information, maybe you should start looking elsewhere. And I was happy to be that example. I still am. I'm not going to contribute in any way because they took down my second, my backup YouTube channel as well. And then months later, it just suddenly appeared one day and they, there was no email, no, like I absolutely no correspondence. It just suddenly was back. So I posted up a, a video to that channel to say, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been struck from YouTube. I, I've got my channel back for now somehow, but I am never, ever, ever posting to YouTube again. So you have to go to CorbettReport.com. And so I think that's that's where I come down on this. Um, as to why sort of on the bigger scale, why the censorship has increased so much in the past few years, I locate this in some of the work that I did recently on the media matrix. Mm -hmm. I did a documentary on that. I did an online course uh, about the history of mass media. And once you start to really study that, it really becomes vivid that we are living through some sort of Gutenberg 2.0. Um, as people know, back in the 15th century, with the advent of the movable type printing press, it truly was a game changer in ways that we can barely appreciate. We can barely comprehend the sort of everything handwritten by scribes into mass-produced literature. It was such an incredible revolution that, of course, information just started to flower and explode and the masses started to become literate and to start to communicate with each other and understand things that they would never have understood. And that caused tectonic shifts in society. I mean, you can locate the Reformation, the, the Renaissance, various things that were happening. You can locate them um, in that earthquake that took place with the movable type printing press. And the internet really is, I think, Gutenberg 2.0, because uh, we had that mass consolidation in the 20th century of the media back down into the handful of corporations that controlled basically everything you were hearing, seeing on a daily basis. And the internet shook that up. And suddenly some Joe Schmo in Japan can be talking to millions of people. Uh-oh, we can't have that. So exactly, exactly as in the original Gutenberg revolution, the first thing that people in positions of power wanted to do in the immediate wake of that was censor. And so you saw all these censorship laws coming in about licensing for printers or printers weren't allowed to operate or whatever. And it worked for various times in various scales, but censorship wasn't that effective, but they definitely tried it. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. They're trying the censorship. The thing that I fear more than the censorship though, because yeah, YouTube is gonna kick me off. Well, whatever, it's their platform. They can do that. I, I agree. They have the right to do that. Um, I'm just not going to participate in their platform, even if they allow me. Um, but the thing that I fear more is the structural level um, of, of all of this. Uh, exactly as the Gutenberg revolution opened up all this potential to all these people who could suddenly start printing their own material and getting it out. And you could have newsletters and, and pamphlets common sense could really in some way engender the American revolution, just some guy just writing a pamphlet and suddenly it becomes one of the best sellers in all of American history. People are reading it and suddenly we're understanding, oh, this is a revolution. Oh, I get it. Uh, you can have that incredible flowering of, of human flourishing that can then be drawn into this through a various a number of things for example the technology becoming more capital intensive etc now suddenly not everyone can have access to the press so now there's going to be a few people who with the the immense wealth in order to 
have access to the press and they're going to be able to pick the editors. And of course, their bread's going to be buttered on the side of the establishment. They're going to be in bed with the government that's going to eventually have the intelligence agencies. So we see how that consolidation happens. And that consolidation has been happening on the internet um, for the past couple of decades as you had all these blogs and everyone had their own personal space and it was their page that they had whatever crazy stuff they wanted to have and it looked crazy and it had all these flashing spinning nonsense and javascript and whatever all over the place but all of that became standardized and homogenized into the facebook feed the twitter feed the reddit posts and now it all just looks like bland corporate garbage and everything's everything's boring and and terrible i yeah. i don't even i don't even like going on the the web anymore i only do it for research and for the this sort of thing but there's no fun place to 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 encounter new ideas or to 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 meet people uh, online these days or at least it's getting a lot harder to do so and that's because of this centralization um i am not a fan of jack dorsey but the truest thing he ever said is that the worst thing that ever happened was the um the uh, did he call it the corporatization or of of uh, the centralization of identity and discovery on the web, which Twitter was definitely a part of. And he's exactly right about that. The centralization of those things has created a, a, a controlled environment where it doesn't even have to function like censorship and banhammer sort of censorship. It can just be sort of all of it coming back down into the controlled centralized environment where everybody has this set of rules that they're all going to play by and everybody starts thinking the same thing and posting the same thing. So I, to a certain extent, again, it's about writing our own narrative. There are many, many, many ways to do this in a decentralized fashion to, to take it into our own hands. Who even thinks about starting their own web page anymore? No, I'll just have a Twitter feed. I'll have a YouTube channel. That's good enough. No, it isn't. And we need to, again, take the responsibility into our own hands to start building up the, the real solution to this, which is not picketing outside of YouTube. Hey, let me back on your platform. No, the point is to find other ways of doing this because we do not need them. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, something that you mentioned there kind of spurred my thinking. It's like, you know, it's, it's yes, the censorship is just out of control, but a part of it is the, uh, <clears throat> lack of transparency and the there they, they like you don't know what's <clears throat> right or wrong until it's too late <clears throat> like if they had very clear distinct guidelines and guardrails to say okay as long as you operate within these parameters you're fine it's like i'm actually maybe kind of okay with that there's an example there's there is an app called the bertaria times app which is very much like instagram uh but it's all based it's basically like community building it's all like community building you come in uh you find local people and it's all like but their rules are, and it, they claim it's like the most censored uh, uh, app on the app store because you're only allowed to post the good, the true, and the beautiful. You're not allowed to post anything about vaccines or any like political stuff. It's only about gardening, uh, like where to get raw milk, community building, family, uh, like entrepreneurship. Like it's only about good things. If you post anything that's like a meme of Bill Gates, they'll delete it. Right. And so it's like, here, okay, here are the guidelines. It's very clear, cut and dry. And it's like, that's a form of censorship. They're like, well, yeah, okay. Cause it does yeah. cultivate like yeah. this nice attitude, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's how you define the word censorship, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. In a sense. Yes. But it's, it's more like, no, these are guidelines and rules for this community. Yes, yes. You can join or not join, but exactly. it's our community and we get yeah. to set the rules. Again, I am totally fine with that. And yeah. again, I'm fine with YouTube saying, you know, you can't, you can't talk about vaccines or whatever, but just know, as long as you know that that is the rule and mm -hmm. say, okay, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. Again, it's I, I, who's going to come in and 
force them to allow people on their platform. Mm -hmm. And who gets to make that decision? Because of course, you know, for the last several years, at any rate, it's it's been largely the right side of the controlled phony left-right paradigm mm -hmm. that's been like, no, we need to regulate these big techers. Yeah, okay, so now Biden, Biden's in and he's going to be appointing the people who are going to be sitting on this board that get to decide who gets it on and off whatever platform. Do you think that's going to go out in your favor? No. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now my political enemies are in charge of this system. Whoever could have imagined such a thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was going to say too, that like, uh, so my YouTube channel, right? I started this show because this I, I pivoted to this show early 2021 after doing a different show and uh started going on youtube and then they started taking my videos down i'm like okay that's it i'm going full james corbett and like my 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 uh my title on youtube is rebunk news and then in all caps i do not post on youtube and the last video up there is a big thumbnail that says go to rockfin go to BitChute, go to rumble i am not going to post my videos here and every time i get a notification hey you have a new subscriber on youtube i'm like no I'm not gonna go over here. So, so, uh, so you based know, on that's a really good point. Yeah, I don't think I get subscribers on my backup channel. It's back up okay. there, and you can find it. But I honestly, I don't think I've gotten a single subscriber. So I'm sure I'm limited in some way. But anyway, maybe, okay. maybe, or you have notifications turned. I don't know. Who knows? But yes, that wouldn't surprise me either. So, uh, so myself. Ryan Christian, Last American Vagabond, and uh, Courtney Turner, the great Courtney Turner from the Courtney Turner podcast. We're all Nashville locals here, and we have taken upon ourselves to start our own little media company uh, with uh, under the banner, under the flag, I guess you say, of Pirate Stream Media. So Pirate Stream Media is coming, folks, and uh, kind of a take on Ryan's philosophy of the whack-a-mole approach, you know, the pirate streaming where it's like, okay, well catch me if you can, and then just make them work for it. Right. And so that's the, that's the other approach to it. And I got a lot of love and respect for that, mm -hmm. but you know, we are looking at trying to, you know, we're not sure exactly where we're going to go. We have some ideas, but really we're looking to build something new, fresh, maybe a platform, maybe a streaming platform, maybe something uh, that, that can, uh, but we're not exactly sure, but what would be some of your advice? Uh, to like a new content creator or someone looking to start a new platform or someone looking to break in with a new angle like this. Yeah. Yeah. I have thought about that over the years. And as I get further and further from my own origin point, I realize that if I was James Corbett of 2006, seven in 2022, three, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know how I would, uh, would I have ever become who I am if, if it was like this, it's a completely different ball game, but in a sense, okay. At this point, I mean, in internet years, I'm like 140 years old at this point. Like I'm, I'm an old man and I don't know what the youngins are doing and I don't care. Um, but honestly, if I was a youngin who was clued in on all this stuff, yeah, I mean, being on TikTok and whatever else the kids are using these days it is the way to reach people in the way that I was attempting to reach people back you know, a decade and a half ago. And so that's, that's the place to go to be reaching out. If you want to be reaching out broadly to draw people in at this stage in my career, um, I, that's not my role. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not out there trying to, you know, it would be great if a billion people were watching the corporate report, but a billion people aren't going to watch the corporate report and that's fine. I'm here to consolidate and hopefully move forward and continue on the path that I'm on and people who want to get caught up can go back to the early stuff, but I'm, I'm over here now. Um, but if I was a young person coming up on this, yeah, I would be trying to get on or at the very least pirate and monkey wrench, these various platforms. I, I think that's one effective way of doing it. And 
You know, uh, there's there's always the question of, yes, you have to kind of reach out in order to get people. But then once you reach out too far, are you kind of giving into the system? An example of that would be the sort of the TikTok two, two second attention span economy that exists at this point where, I mean, how could I possibly convey something like, uh, you know, who is Bill Gates or my World mm. War One conspiracy documentary or something like that in TikTok form? <laughs> like, that don't work. You can't do anything truly interesting in that. But you can put teaser material out and something that hopefully will draw people into larger work or what have you. But uh, I, again, I, I'm done with even trying to think about how I would strategize if I was coming up at this point, because it's a completely different ballgame. But that's why it, it's not going to be some 40 plus year old man who's going to be telling the kids what they should be doing. It's going to be some kid that comes up who knows, who feels it. Because that was something that definitely at the time when I was starting this, 2007, I remember I, I felt what was happening. Uh, online. I, I knew, I understood it. I, 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 I don't know how to articulate it, but I, I, when I saw, when I saw Luke Krakowski getting up at this big new Brzezinski's lecture and saying, we don't want your new world order and being chased out by police. And I, I, I understood what was happening and the importance of it in, in a way that, yeah, of course the stupid talking heads on CNN or whatever are going to laugh. Oh, where'd you hear that on the internet? And now they're on the unemployment line looking for jobs on the internet because they didn't understand the comet had struck. I, I knew it as a young person at that time. So 20, 20 years later down the road, I, I'm, I'm the old fuddy duddy who doesn't get what's going on. And it'll be some young person who understands that on the level that I don't, who will understand how to communicate this information and how to move things forward in a new way. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I want all the James Corbett's of 2022, 2023, 2024 to rise up and take over these control platforms and move people over to the better systems. <clears throat> yeah. And, and for sure, for sure. And one of the things that, well, thank you for that. First of all, one, one of the things that stood out to me too, I think it was on uh, an early union of the unwanted uh, where there was kind of a roundtable discussion early on about, okay, so what, what are we going to do as content creators? Should we like, and it seemed like you were the only one that was in that call that kind of had a dissenting voice where like everybody was like, yeah, let's get together and start a, start our own platform and start our own like centralized thing. And you were like, no, nah, hold on, hold on. I feel like that's their easiest way for them to suck us in. And so we each need to have our little nodes out there. Right. And you've done a great job of kind of uh, holding the line with CorbettReport.com, where it's like CorbettReport.com. Damn, that's it. Yeah. yeah, it literally has my name in the title. It yeah. is literally the place for my work. And mm -hmm. here's the thing. It's so important to stress this because everyone always comes at me with the, you know, oh, why don't you guys just get together and make one site where you guys will all be working together and we can all just follow you in one place. And I, I mean, my first response would always be, who exactly are you guys, because whatever basket you are trying to form with that sentence is probably not really that person. I, I don't know if I even know that person. I'm not sure I agree with what. And there's that person over there that I, yeah, I'm kind of acquainted with. But I, I, why, why, why do we all need to be in this one basket that you have created? <laughs> so first of all, it doesn't work on that level. But secondarily, it's it's fundamentally misunderstanding the internet and the way that it at least could function because everyone is just trying to put this back in the 20th century basket of like a newspaper or an or a magazine where there's this okay it's it's time magazine and you'll have all of course all these different authors um within the magazine but they're all under that that 
headline because of course you can't have not every author is going to have their own little two-page news newsletter that's going to go to every supermarket in america or whatever no of course you put it in a magazine it's editor there's an editor uh, looking over it and putting it together and and th that's how it's mass distributed but the internet is a fundamentally different medium and we do not need to have the one place where everybody comes together and then it's shipped to you because that that's where the editorial and gatekeeping and all of that happens that's how it happens mm -hmm. everyone can be publishing their own stuff in their own way and here's the beauty people like Aaron Swartz rest in peace mm -hmm. understood the 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 power of this medium for doing exactly what that person was saying. Why don't you guys just all come together and it'll all be in one place? RSS, really simple syndication. One of the simplest ideas I've ever presented on Solutions Watch, one of the most powerful and one of the most neglected because back a couple of decades ago, RSS was a very ubiquitous thing online and people knew about RSS feeds and how to subscribe to them and why you need an RSS newsreader and all of this. And at this point, RSS is almost completely neglected and websites these days maybe have it as a sort of vestigial thing but they don't care about it but rss is the way to do this i like this guy i like that guy i like that guy i like that guy so subscribe to their rss feeds boom now you have in one place all of the latest stuff from all of these people that you can follow instantaneously they publish it on their site and it ends up in your news feed you don't need twitter you don't need Reddit. You don't need YouTube. You don't need any of these platforms. You create your own newsfeed. And yeah, how do I discover new people? Well, yeah, there can be different ways of doing that, aggregator sites and other things. Or you could, if I interview someone or someone interviews me and you find other people that way. But that's the organic, natural, decentralized way to do this. But people are thinking, no, it all has to come together at sort of the central server level. And we all have to go into this one place. No, no, no. Let's all publish our own stuff and you choose and you aggregate and you become your own editor. Mm -hmm. That is the dream. And that is the power of this medium that I think few people understand at this point. Yeah. And then grateful to live in a world where that technology exists. You know, we, we <clears throat> everybody rails so hard against technology, but it's not technology. It's like, you know, it's inert, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's up to the user. So, so I know we're kind of winding down here. <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, you know, you were so prescient and so far ahead of the curve when it came to COVID. And I know you've been reporting on uh, some of the more current things that we're seeing on the horizon. But uh, if you were to look into your crystal ball here, what would you think, what would you say uh, we're looking at here in 2023? Just kind of just, you know, just yeah. softballs out there. Like, what are you thinking yeah. we're uh, going to be looking at here? Well, let, let me add the usual caveat, because although, of course, I did talk about medical martial law and things like that in the lead up to COVID, it's not like in 2019, I was saying they're, they're going to do this next year. I mean, so whatever curveball happens will undoubtedly be another curveball that no one was specifically expecting. But the general trends and the things that we know are coming. I mean, that's in some way and what, you know, how it will be unveiled, who knows. But uh, I, I chose as my story of the year for or the trend of the year for 2023 that I predicted in New World next year was digital ID, because I think this is this is the linchpin of so many of these different agendas that are coming together right now. Um, the vaccine passports and the uh, social credit and CBDCs, all of these things hinge on a centralized identification um, system that will be digitized, obviously, and it will be controlled by the government or government governmental connected agencies. And that's so I think really that's the sort of fundamental infrastructure that needs to be laid in order for all of these other things to be built on top of it. So I'm thinking digital ID rollout in the is sort of the, the first step 
or the, the near term of this. And then we'll start to see the social credit, the carbon credits, the um, vaccine passports, the CBDCs, all of these other things being built on top of that. Um, they're all happening and they're all happening simultaneously. But I think digital ID is kind of the core of that. And that's why I think that's something we should be particularly concerned about and particularly putting our foot down about. Um, but uh, the sort of the, the broader trends that I see is the monetary changeover that's happening in the, in, in the coming years. There, there is a huge, almost unthinkable monetary change that is happening um, that will involve central bank digital currencies at some level. It will involve likely a changeover in world reserve paradigm, or at least it's sort of a new system developing out of the old bread and wood slash petrodollar system. There's going to be something else that will happen. Um, so that's that's definitely part of what's happening. And unfortunately, along with monetary changeovers is usually war. So I do think we are heading towards hot war of some sort. And who knows, you know, Ukraine, Taiwan, uh, you know, pick your place, pick your time, maybe a combination. But at any rate, I, I do think hot war will be part of this, this changeover that we're seeing right now, leading us towards the 2030 plus agenda. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Which is just so demoralizing. It's like, you know, I just, um, I, I'm just, yeah, it's very, very, very scary to think that that's what's on the horizon. But, you know, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I feel like uh, it's the same way. Like, it's just, uh, it's coming faster than we can do anything about it. So more important than ever to, you know, continue to reinforce our communities and just build, 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 you know, because, hey, if something like that were to happen, you know, and the, the resources are being pulled and there's like energy shortages, whatever, you know, whether it's contrived or, or, you know, real, you know, that's where we can rely on each other to get through these times. You know, we've seen it in the past, you know, that's how they, the, the freedom gardens back in world war two, you know, all that stuff. We need to start doing our own little freedom gardens right now, folks. But, uh, uh, speaking of contrived, <clears throat> maybe this will be the last point we cover here and then I'll let you, uh, let the folks know where they can find and support you. But, uh, <clears throat> what do you think about just uh, real quick about the, the contrived or I should say, uh, do you think it's contrived this whole like push towards truth? Like on Twitter, Elon Musk, like, like, you know, like, is this like, is the world waking up? Are we overpowering them with truth or is this all part of the narrative as well? I, I'm not going to completely poo poo and dismiss everything. There is information that is coming out about the inner operations of Twitter and what have you, but it, obviously it isn't the full story and it isn't the full picture and we don't know everything. And this is only one of the platforms at, to the extent that it gets people to realize and understand how tightly controlled these platforms are behind the scenes and that there is no transparency and that they cannot trust these platforms and should not trust anyone, including Elon Musk, to be in charge of a platform like this and to do it the fair way and all of this, um, that, that's to the good. To the extent that it makes people think that, oh, you know, okay, Elon Space Guy is the good guy now and we're we're going to take his Neuralink because he seems like the good billionaire. That's to the bad. So mm -hmm. I, I have nothing but sympathy for the people who are waking up in 2021, 22, 23, who are coming in at the deep end of this. Because in a sense, it was easier to do it back a couple decades ago where the stakes seemed lower. Actually, they seemed pretty high at the time. But <laughs> in retrospect, uh, we weren't as far along in the agenda. So it seemed like there was more time to sort of get your bearings. Now it's kind of sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are going to sink because they don't have the uh, scaffolding of of understanding to uh, to realize what's what's really taking place in the bigger picture. But yeah, I mean, there's good things that can come out of something like a Twitter files or this mm -hmm. this thing that's happening, but only if you have the understanding to really perceive what is really happening here.
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, James. Uh, so we got some people in the chat. Jamie Deluxe. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He's uh, He's got some awesome stuff. He was in the chat, uh, dropped a little tip, said thank you for all your work and everything. So I uh, had some other Death to Tyrants that shout out there. Hey, man, uh, they were kind of making fun of me a little bit, but that was kind of funny. So it's all good. Did not let it distract me. Uh, James, how can the folks uh, follow, listen and support all of your work? Uh, best place to go, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. All of my work is available for free. Um, even my subscriber newsletter, I make the editorial available for free at CorbettReport.substack.com because I am not one for keeping things behind paywalls. So if you have never encountered my work before, please do not try to subscribe, uh, send me money, anything like that. Please go into the archives get acquainted with 16 years worth of uh, material and research. And if you like it and you want it to continue, then, you know, I'd appreciate if people subscribe um, as little as a dollar a month. Any, any bit really does help. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Hey, have you checked out the last American vagabond Substack by any chance? I have. I believe I am recommending it. Okay, beautiful. Well, I will double check to make sure that we're recommending yours as well. So that's a good reminder about that. So yeah, Ryan put me in charge of that. So very excited about all the work that's going on over there. So James, wow. Thank you so much. What an honor to have you on. Um, Just fantastic. Uh, We'll catch up again soon and uh, hope you have a great rest. Oh, your day is just getting started, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. My first coffee. (laughs) Awesome. Well, have a fantastic day and thank you so much, you guys. All right, guys. Guys, no, uh, no fear, just crushing. Remember 2023. See you later. There we go.